Oh, Tom, how do you want to be introduced? Like, what should we call you? Uh, sexy man Tom C2000, please. Nothing else is it's fine. Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth podcast, your environment, climate change, nature, sustainability podcast that has a look at the big issues and asks, you know, is there something we can do to save the planet? I'm Emma. I'm Lloyd. And this week we are joined by science and tech content creator Tom Carroll. Hello. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> I mean, was that, was that intro good enough? Because at one point you asked to be introduced as uh, Sexy TC. Yeah, you know, I, I, I generally say it's kind of a coin flip and uh, I'm happy with either way. So I think you did a swell <laughs> job, Lloyd. I'm really happy with it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Welcome to your, to your first ever podcast as well. So I feel honoured. I feel nervous. So. Oh, you don't, you don't need to be nervous with us. Sidebar, all the listeners, we three actually go way back. We're not going to say how far back because then you'll be able to guess how old we are. But we did all do our undergraduate degree together in Exeter. Thomas! <laughs> Our youth was our brand, Tom. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. And I'm really sorry. I just had to doing? close my window as well. I'm sorry. That That's might okay. be the first it's, thing you have to It's edit a cold, cold season. Um, yeah, we do go way back. And I'm really, genuinely, I haven't even said this to you guys yet. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing here. Like, I remember when you Stop. launched oh, this podcast thanks. and I thought, hmm, I'm really jealous because I wish I came up with it, especially <laughs> because it's the best name in the podcast game as well. Um, oh, actually, our friend Hannah came up with the name. I can't, I can't claim the name. Oh, well, in that case, I take back any compliment I've given in the past. So you can, you can give that to. Her. Oh, <laughs> we, we did come up with with our own B puns in that first episode, though. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure you guys bring the pun energy most weeks. You know, we do. What's what's nature environment without some puns? Yeah, uh, depressing. I, I always most say of the time is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, optimistic. I mean, we're being optimistic. It's all good. Um, we've got to pop our optimistic hats on for this episode yeah sure there's been too much too much negativity this year and how are we going to save the planet if we are not at least a small dose of optimistic i completely agree i think no i completely agree i think it's a really good thing to be not to you know get too deep too quick but i think it is a really good thing for people to embrace a little bit of optimism because you know if you go too far into being optimistic, you can kind of forget about actually doing anything. But if you mm-hmm. have the right amount of it, then it could either inspire yourself or inspire others to do stuff that needs to be done, which, you know, I think is probably a good thing. Wise words indeed. You're starting the podcast on Peaceful. a very, very strong start. <laughs> We're going to put that on a T-shirt. It's a pretty long thing for a T-shirt, but I will buy one. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go any further shall we do our um what one good thing have you done this week slash month absolutely i did warn you before that this was gonna this was gonna happen so you did luckily i'm just such would you, a great would you like person to kick us i off? do so many good things that uh <laughs> <laughs> the list has at least one thing on it um so i do actually have two things on my list um one of which Show is off. pretty pretty tame which is switched over to bamboo toothbrushes this week. Um, nice. Which, you nice. Know, Good one. I know is a very small step, but 
the idea of all of my past toothbrushes ever in my life still being out there somewhere today kind of freaks me out. So That's a lot though, isn't it? it is. Over the course of a lifetime, that's a lot of toothbrushes. And I brush my teeth real hard as well. Like, I get through toothbrushes really quick, so... Um, but I realised... That, that, that enamel, gone. Yeah, no, I, gone. I haven't known what enamel, was, what enamel was for a real long time. Um, but I also, uh, this week, donated again to the Rainforest Trust, if you've heard of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. Well done, nice. Uh, and that was through, which I guess we'll chat about later, is through something I did on TikTok and raise money through that specifically for trying to save trees. And another payment came through from that thing. And I thought it's a great week for that payment to come through because I can talk about it in the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. So That's th- that was very TikTok. Good. And with this podcast, you've now pretty much gone on every single medium. I think I so. I mean, th- there's <laughs> yeah. going to be new ones, right? And we're going to feel even more old real soon. But... God, I hope not. <laughs> you can hope all I you want, Emma. I don't have the brain space to learn another one. <laughs> I'm out. Whatever it is that comes next, I'm out. <laughs> well, it's... Uh... I'm still struggling with Snapchat. Oh, I, I ditched Snapchat a real long time ago. <laughs> it's long gone. Yeah. Long gone. Apparently it's still oh, well, like, that, that, That's probably why I'm struggling with it. <laughs> We're too old for Snapchat, I think that's the problem. I think so. <laughs> we were okay when it came out, but I think we're we're maybe a bit over the hill. Because Lloyd, what have you what have you done this week? Um so uh to well at the risk of um disrupting the timelessness of this particular episode, it is approaching Christmas. And we're sort of starting to get get all our wrapping bits together and we've got some um plastic free Sellotape, you can't add, well, it's not sellotape, so yes, that's the brand, but plastic free tape. I'm holding this up, obviously, on a podcast <laughs> medium, this doesn't really work. You are but, brandishing but it the, at the camera quite threateningly. We could describe it for the audience if you want. Yeah, go on. Uh, Take it away. Uh, Lloyd looks like uh, if you come across him uh, on a dark night, you should run the other way. And he is also holding <laughs> tape, which uh, fits that whole look right now as well. And it's paper-based tape. Oh, sorry, and it's paper-based tape. My bad, my bad. Sorry. Small details. (laughs) Well, I imagine with the paper-based tape, that's not very threatening because you could probably break out of that. Hopefully not. Fingers crossed. I mean, hopefully it's good Hopefully not. Hopefully it's good tape. Oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, hopefully not in terms of the tape. (laughs) Hopefully the tape's good and strong. Lloyd's ripping. There we go. That looked like a good rip. That that ripped pretty, pretty easily, which is good because I get very frustrated when people give me gifts. Not because they've given me a gift. That's lovely. But... The fact that I have to like struggle with the tape, especially when someone is as bad as rapping as me and they've like wrapped it up I hear you. nice and tight. I hear you. That's excellent. Where did you where did you find that from out of interest? Um, I so I Swansea has the wonderful Environment Centre, uh, ah. which has got its own like uh, plastic free and waste free shop. So I imagine with the proliferation of plastic free shops around the UK slash world, maybe you'll be able to find one near you. I haven't looked to see if you can get it online. That's your task. That's your challenge. <laughs> it is. It is. I'll, I'll pop down my local shop. What about yourself? What's your shiny example? Your, yours are both better than mine, so I should have <laughs> gone first, really. Um, we should have ended with Tom, but we didn't. Um, 
I <laughs> I use a local um, fruit and veg delivery box situation. Um, so because I, I quite like supporting my local greengrocers, and we've now added like oat milk to the thing that they deliver. So that's one less thing that I buy from a big supermarket, and that purchase has now gone to somebody a bit more local. And it's maybe it's reduced its maybe it hasn't reduced its transport miles. I don't know, but I. I like the fact that my money is going in a slightly different direction. I like yeah. it. Small though it is. Yeah, I especially in pandemic times. I, I mean, support support your local for sure. Yeah, mm. that's something I want to do a lot more as well. So, like, that was really cool to hear. I don't really. I'm pretty bad with all this stuff. Apparently, I don't really know of any shops around me that do. Obviously, I know where I could get veg from locally instead of from sort Good, of hope so. the big chains. But, you know, the, uh, you know, like refill um, places and mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know if I have any of them near me. I know I looked last year and didn't find one. Really? Yeah. You're a London well, we, lad. Had, like, I'd imagine two... there'd be some around. A, but, yeah, yeah you might have to go on a bit of a forage That's for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm outskirts of London. So the shops are still pretty limited. You know, they're transitioning mm. over to their KFCs and Sainsbury's and Tesco's as opposed <laughs> to opening up the nice small chains and stuff. But that's cool. Yeah, to be fair, actually, Lloyd, you and I, I think, are really privileged to live in cities that are quite eco. If, yeah. if you were to put them all, all cities in the UK on a, on a list of econess, we'd probably be doing quite well. Because yeah, I've, so I've got two refill shops within walking distance of my house, and that you're right, Tom. That's definitely not the norm. That's really I cool. I shouldn't take that for granted. Yeah, I'd really like that. I I genuinely would take a lot of advantage of that. If um, because I mean, you could just stock up on pasta guilt free, which is amazing. <laughs> you, you can forget about all constant the... stream of pasta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all directions. <laughs> and is the uh, is the veg thing? Is it kind of like the uh, odd box thing? It's not. Oddbox only happens in London, um, which is a really cool idea because yeah. I wanted to sign up to Oddbox. So anyone who hasn't heard of Oddbox is it's like misshapen fruit and veg mm-hmm. stuff that hasn't necessarily made it to the shop. Um, like your supermarket hasn't made it through their like prettiness standards, but it's still perfectly edible and you can get a delivery of those. But no, this is just like from local suppliers, um, normal you know your normal fruit and veg nice. you don't pick what comes every week they just send you what's around so it's also quite nice to know that whatever they're sending you is like a probably more than likely from a local farm most of them but also like they're in season which is another big yeah, thing for sure so you know they haven't been shipped in from god knows where so that's really cool and they deliver to your door and to be honest the one we've tried a couple of them and we do have a favorite because one of them puts a curly whirly in with every order so <laughs> that's how you get me back to your veg shop <laughs> I'll be honest with you, tempt me with sweet wow. treats. Just one curly do, do, you, do you reckon they actually mean to do that? Or, just the one. Or are you just like their favourite customer? There's just someone on the assembly Maybe line. Maybe I like, am. Oh, it's Who going knows? To this is one thing I don't think curly-wurly. you should look into. And just, <laughs> if, if anybody is listening and you're getting free curly whirlies or anything of... Uh, look the other way. Just, yeah, look the other way. Don't look into it. Assume you are the best customer because you probably Take are. Take the curly whirly and run. Yeah. I mean, knowing Emma, she probably is the best customer. Um, oh, stop it, you! But don't look into it, just in case. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't. There was there was one week that a Mars bar came instead, and I was quite disappointed. Oh, Maybe I slipped in the ratings. I can't believe you stuck with a Mars bar, to be honest. Anyway, enough about me always wanting to eat chocolate rather than the vegetables that have arrived. Um, we've kind of introed you in the in the sense that we've told people that you're an internet content creator. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. 
you mentioned TikTok. We know YouTube is your main is your main channel, mm -hmm. and we'll send everyone to your amazing YouTube channel because you are a beautiful filmmaker and science communicator. Oh, but but you did mention TikTok. So the, the the topic that we just put a pin in, I want to pull the pin out. Okay. Tell us about your experiences on TikTok this year because and how many not pop everyone... songs did you lip sync to? <laughs> How's your dancing? <laughs> it's approximately zero percent better than it was when I started. Um, I've done approximately zero more dances than I did before I started, and lip syncing. I just have a private TikTok account for that, you know, not not <laughs> revealing that to you guys. Yay! That's actually on OnlyFans. Um, oh, jeez! Mentioning you... <laughs> OnlyFans already. Wow. <laughs> takes a turn, <laughs> uh, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pull us back from the, the brink so, of yes, chaos. Um, as I was saying, TikTok, don't do. Not everyone uses not everyone the internet uses for good, TikTok. but you've done that. Well, yeah, so I, don't, I haven't done any dances on TikTok yet. I have got some ideas on how to do some dances on there, but I probably won't do them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I started, on, I started on TikTok kind of as a, kind of as a dare. I've got um, this this mentor of mine, and he said uh, at the beginning of the pandemic uh, lockdown that he thinks I should get on TikTok. And I said, I'm not getting on TikTok. I'm way too old for this thing. I don't understand it at all. And he, he said, look, promise me you'll put full effort in for like a few months. And by like <laughs> June, I promise you, you'll have like 40,000 followers that you can spread messages to and everything. So I so I, I took on the challenge and uh, through a few different routes I managed to uh, bump it up to 110,000 um, by August this year. And can I just can I just stop you right there? You're throwing that away so casually. Whereas Lloyd and I are like, what are these numbers? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'll explain why I've done it so casually. Is because it was kind of through the dumbest means possible. Uh, one of them was a, uh, a dance. Oh, I've done a dance on there, but it was with my hands. Oh, and an, it's all coming out uh, now. It was with, uh, one of my hands using a, a mirror filter to create the look of a, a butterfly taking flight. And it was a oh. really weird video that got over a million views. But the big thing was, um, <laughs> I did a big stick man drawing. That involved the community literally saying, for every like this video gets, I will draw a stick man defending a tree from a giant monster with axes. Sounds dumb, because it is pretty dumb, but it took off. I made a few videos in that series, and then eventually I brought it back around to, okay guys, <laughs> we've saved a tree from a giant monster in a, in a drawing, let's save some actual trees now. So I decided to hire a, a, a uh, concept artist who does concept work for brands and stuff to recreate the artwork, if you want to call it that, of <laughs> Stickmen into a poster that I then sold to people through TikTok and then donated every penny from that towards the Rainforest Trust. So... That was the TikTok story of me. And then I kind of did nothing on there until recently. It was that's fantastic, though. That's a nice little well round of applause there. I think that's really wonderful. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I've, that's a really it. nice example of turning social media and digital reach and content 
into something really positive and, and real, something you can touch. Well, this is it. Are the Rainforest Trust sending you curly whirlies now? No, the Rainforest Trust doesn't care about the amount I sent them. It was so small. Because, <laughs> believe it or not, um, outsourcing uh, the production of posters and shipping of posters is uh, super expensive. And the markups were super tiny. So the, the amount that was made through purchases was quite a lot. But the amount that actually came to me to then send to the Rainforest Trust was relatively small. But it still ended up saving, based on the Rainforest Trust's, uh, the Rainforest Trust's calculations, around 100,000 trees. Which is, which is phenomenal. Which is the... Yeah, well, this is the thing, though, because it really did show me. And I, I made a video about this, trying to kind of wrap it all up in a neat little bow at the end, saying, well, what I learned from this is that if you do want to take action, but the thing that's stopping you is that whatever you do isn't really going to make an impact. Even the small things, and I, I know it sounds kind of big, you know, 100,000 followers and then however many views and a donation of money, but it doesn't have to be that. All this taught me is that something that is or seems small can actually have a massive impact. Um, and that's, I, I mean, that comes back to the start of every single episode of your podcast, one one small thing you've done each week, it all adds up. If everybody does small things yeah. or if everybody just pushes past that roadblock of what am I going to do? Whatever I do isn't going to change anything. Then that's when real change can happen. Um, so TikTok, <laughs> yeah, super, uh, super good platform. <laughs> and, and presumably, uh, as well as the physical number of trees that you saved, by engaging that many people, even if it was just the like here or there, you can really, well, mm. give it the potential to plant a little seed, a little met metaphorical seed in their mind, which just maybe keeps them on the lookout for something similar further down the line, or maybe just helps them on a little journey towards their own conservation uh, goals. That's exactly it, because... You know, the reason a lot of people around our age and older than us steer clear of TikTok is because they hear it is just full of young people, which for the most part <laughs> it is true. Like it's probably 90% is uh, Gen Z um, age group, but you don't know. You never know when you put out a piece of content into the world, the way that we do, you never know who is watching, who's listening, who's reading, if it's a blog post or something. And it could just take that one person seeing your one thing that 10 years down the line, they become the person that can do massive actions that make everybody else's small actions like what we're doing with trying to spread messages and stuff. That's when those small messages can really have a tangible effect in the world. Um, so yeah, sorry. Waffling again, but you're right. Well, I was going to ask about, because um, your main medium is YouTube, right? Yeah. So, so what's your main focus on, on your YouTube channel? So right now I'm trying to focus up on um, spreading optimism towards the future by talking about technology, innovations and ideas and maybe stories all around sustainable design, sustainable engineering, um, just directly fighting climate change and other issues we have going on in the world and um, talking about them in a kind of 
really approachable and fun way. So, and in that uh, current year, well, we gave you free reign to bring like a, a mystery box of topics in yeah with you which we don't normally do because we're very protective about our topics and we like to make ourselves sound like the knowledgeable ones it's uh, a dangerous game though... playing here <laughs> <laughs> so go on then what what would you like to talk about as sort of like mini quick fire intense oh. discussions i mean think i guess really just there's there's a bunch of things obviously and i think you guys will be the same there's a bunch of things that excite me there's probably a bunch of things that excite you about things that companies are working on or ideas that people have put forward and stuff. And the thing about my YouTube channel, which I probably should have said at the very beginning of this podcast, is I am not an expert in any way about any topic. You fit right in here. <laughs> Welcome to the club. But, but the great <laughs> thing, Let's get t-shirts made. But the great thing about that is, at least for me, my whole thing is... I kind of use the content as an excuse to dive into a topic and then share what I know at whatever whatever level I do know it after a couple of weeks of reading about it or however long I have. And that's the great thing. So there's a bunch of just random topics and the ones I'm most excited about are probably ones I've made videos about already. And two of them would be 3D printing new coral reefs. And nice. there's a really cool idea, which I just keep on checking on which is floating offshore wind farms which sounds so boring but it's so no cool. i'm very excited about this yeah which i hadn't really noticed until you said i want to talk about floating offshore wind farms <laughs> went straight to google god no definitely cool tell us tell us more tell us and the listeners more sure uh go. quick go okay quick quick so floating <laughs> off floating offshore wind farms are really cool super cool Basically, you get your wind turbines, you put them on a big floating platform, and you put them really, really far out to sea. You wouldn't be able to see them from the shoreline. Okay, it's a it's a new technology that's been developed over the past sort of decade, and it's really hitting its stride right now. So the benefits include the fact that you don't have to basically destroy an entire seabed when you're installing them, and Another great thing to do with that is you can pretty much make the entire turbine onshore and then just float it to where you want to put it, just nice and smoothly, just take it out wherever. And it's just a couple of cables, almost like a lot of um, oil rigs work today, that's just anchoring it to the ground. So there's still some damage to some um, ocean floor environments, but compared to some of the other tactics, it's pretty small. Um, and then the big thing is that it can produce so much power. Guys, I'm talking like way more power than we use around the world today. It's just waiting to be utilized. In Is that specifically because it's further out to sea? So because it's further out to sea, it basically the wind can be stronger and more consistent because you're kind of comparing a nice flat surface compared to, you know, mountains, houses, hills, all these things that get in the way of wind just ramping up its speed to as fast and powerful as it can be. So the further out to sea you go, the more power you're going to get. And yeah, until now, the technology hasn't really been around to utilize that wind. Um, and another great thing is there'll be a hell of a lot less 
shorebirds smashing into them. Yeah. I was going to say, because presumably your risk of a bird impact, uh, whilst still not going to be zero, is greatly, greatly reduced because you, you, that the closer you get to shore, the more likely you are to get birds milling around. Because if you say stuck these out in the middle of the Atlantic, there aren't really any species that would migrate over a massive ocean. The body birds of water are basically uh, over land. They have their them, themselves to blame at that point, really. You know, <laughs> basically seeking it out. <laughs> no. no, but you're right. I mean, out further out to sea, it's a less it's just a less concentrated area for seabirds, for ocean mammals and other marine life. Uh because the ocean's a big place. Hmm. And on that, I mean, it opens up way more potential for actually developing these things because all of the ones that are kind of much more permanently fixed to the seabed have to be within, it's like 60 metres is the maximum depth, Something like isn't that. it? Yeah. So a lot of the areas that are off the coast that are less than 60 metres have already been looked at or are being developed as places for wind turbines. So if you can have a situation which isn't limited to that, we can potentially create way more of our fuel mix or our energy mix from these offshore, really far offshore floating wind turbines. I think they're epic. They'd be really cool. And they're bloody massive as well, aren't they? So big. Absolutely huge. I read that one of the um one of the blades <laughs> was the same length as a jumbo jet. Yeah. I read on one of my very reputable sources online. Absolutely crazy. Nuts. Is that for one of the floating ones or is that sort of one of the biggest ones in the world? I think I thought that was one of the floating ones, right. but perhaps you know more about this than me. No, 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 no. Like I said, I'm no expert. I do know that the UK right now is housing one of, no, the biggest blade to ever be made. And I think it's being tested Ooh. somewhere in the Midlands. Um, I wish I knew the name of it. I can but just. It's kind of cool. Just the, the image of a massive that is blade cool. just being somewhere out there. I know, yeah. I mean, the thing is... Waiting. I don't think people really appreciate, which is fine, obviously, but I don't think people appreciate how much power these things can generate. There are yeah. some that, you know, sometimes this sort of like hyperbole can be a bit meh, but there's a really great one where there's some that are so big that just one full spin of the turbine can power an entire house for a day or for like a year it's going to be for a day, right? It won't be for a year. I'm going to guess a day, but if that's a year, I welcome <laughs> it. Yeah. I, I mean, welcome I, it. I, I, I guess that misconception comes from the stock images of just those very slow turns. It's just like, oh, very gentle, very calm. So oh, I can't power much, but it's because they're so bloody it's big. So massive. Yeah. If you think about the amount of power you need to move that thing. And also, mm. if if you think of like your school science experiments where you plugged in a potato to a to a lamp, and even potato can yeah, power a lamp, thing, so surely thing. something that big—that's hey, a really—that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've made many um, potato lamps in a while, so. But yeah, you know, floating offshore wind is an exciting thing, and every mm. time I you know Google the old floating offshore wind and then click on the news tab. There's like 50 articles in the last few days and it's all people talking about, you know, this industry's about to explode. Ching, ching, ching. It's coming. Which, bit of a tangent here, but that's kind of a really important point is a lot of people in the um, climate change space and everything, like, I think, at least from what I see, kind of steer clear from talking about profitability and 
you know the economics of how this is all going to actually happen um and i think a really exciting thing right now is that you know wind energy solar energy other renewables are becoming in some places or already have become in other places more affordable for electricity generation than traditional greenhouse fuel based uh, technologies which is amazing dinosaur juice dinosaur juice yeah but because really for any of this to properly work it needs to be profitable as soon as it can be more profitable to stick up a wind farm than it is to create a new oil rig you'd have to be an idiot to not pivot your uh, your company's strategy if you are in the energy sector You'd have to be an idiot to not go towards yeah. renewables, right? Mm. So as Which soon is the, as the cold hard reality, but it's it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we and can't I mean, rely on people's um, just good heartedness to save the planet and invest in these technologies. You're right; it has to be a viable option for companies that, to be attracted to. Exactly, which I think is we're seeing already with this change in how affordable these things are becoming and with the technology improving and being more efficient. It's now now become an economics issue as well, yeah. So, bam, wind turbines floating. Fantastic. What, what was your second topic? It was uh, 3D-printed coral reefs, which I'll, I'll try to be quicker wow, about. That's I know you very cool. To be no, quick no, no. Lloyd is a marine scientist, after all. He was that's very true. excited by yeah, this Yeah, I was just really topic. keen to get to this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have. Well, if you Screw want to cut turbines. out half of the turbines. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah, so 3D printed coral reefs are pretty cool. Sounds kind of gross at first because you're thinking, why would you 3D print a coral reef? Coral reefs are amazing, which is exactly right. Because coral reefs, as Lloyd will probably be able to tell you way more details about than I can. You uh, grossly overestimate my knowledge. For <laughs> no, not at all, mate. Coral reefs are threatened pretty much from every possible angle right now. If they're not threatened, they're already destroyed. And uh, if they're not already destroyed, they're probably heading that way fairly soon based on, you know, the trends of bleaching events, which I'm sure your audience, you've, you've told your audience about a bunch in the past. I don't know if we have, actually. I, we've been we've talking for ages about doing a full episode on coral reefs, but we've got a guest in mind who's not replying to emails. So oh, no. <laughs> we might have to do it without him. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you know who you are, reply apply to us coral bleaching yeah is you know is the idea that coral are living animals and they have um algae inside them which gives them their their beautiful colors and they when they're stressed by uh right now mainly ocean acidification and ocean warming or uh being destroyed by you know nice things like dynamite fishing um They'll usually, they'll expel that stuff and they'll turn completely white, like bleach, hence the name. And eventually, if nothing changes, the actual animals themselves that make up coral will die. When a coral reef bleaches, and if it does go towards death, then it can just degrade and leave behind what's called coral rubble which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the, the remnants of these coral skeletons, which is just this rubbly substance on the ocean bed, and it's useless. Coral reefs are usually the most biodiverse places on the planet. They're super important 
for for animals and also us in many ways. I think it's like naught point the corals cover naught point one percent of the ocean surface, but uh, house about a quarter of all fish species or something. It's absolutely yes. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So this rubble, on the other hand, if coral can't grow, which it can't settle on this rubble and it can't form new reefs on this rubble, generally speaking, that reef is dead. Fish are going to be gone pretty soon. It'll probably be covered in this, you know, horrible seaweed stuff that doesn't really do much good. It's bad. So when when we want to restore a reef or help a damaged reef that's maybe on the way to dying we want to basically do that in a few different ways sometimes we can just farm coral literally growing it off site and then bringing it in but again if you've only got rubble that's not going to work and sometimes you can create artificial reefs using huge concrete structures or boats that you literally sink which sounds pretty bad but Boats can be some amazing places for artificial reefs to happen. And then comes 3D printed coral reefs, which are just so cool for so many reasons. Basically, you can you can print these modular pieces, which are basically like Lego bricks, and you can slot them together in whatever whatever combination you want to create these super diverse structures with lots of gaps in them and holes in them and overhangs and the surface of them is textured in such a way that it's got all these little nooks and crannies and everything, which is perfect for coral to establish on, those little coral polyps to establish on, or a branch of coral to stick to and establish a colony on. And it's great for fish and everything to stick around in the coral reef area because it still has all of these structures that the coral reefs used to provide these structures that have gaps and that they can make their homes or they can make their hunting grounds or that other life like anemones. I did a whole Finding Nemo thing there. (laughs) Anemones and uh, sea urchins and sea stars and all these things, they can use this diverse landscape usually in a coral reef. And this 3D printed reef can have all that complexity whilst the reef is regrowing or whilst these little parts of the reef are regrowing or being protected from cyclones and other bad stuff. And uh, the great thing about it being modular, apart from just being customizable, is that it can be dealt with at a local level. It means that the increasingly affordable technology of 3D printing could be available to a small community that could 3D print their own reef pieces and they can take them out on their small boats instead of huge boats for concrete structures or, you know, when you sink an entire ship. They can go out in a little dinghy, just a few of them, and they can just dive down to a coral reef, which, you know, generally speaking, they're not too deep. And uh, they can put it together themselves and fix the reef if anything bad happens, like a bad cyclone or a bad spell of bleaching events or something like that. Again, that wasn't very quick fire, but this stuff is just no, it's awesome, so exciting. It's brilliant, though. It's it was, brilliant. Yeah, I, I was sort of looking at this earlier, and there's, I'm surprised by how many companies there seem to be which are specialising in this. Mm. And what's really cool is they're taking slightly different approaches. Like Some of them are trying to do uh, like very like 3D print, very small micro fragments, which are specifically growth points 
for for re-establishing colonies. Some of them are much more about the providing structure, like you said, like like really large uh, macro structure. And there's always well, there, there was uh, a thing from Cambridge University, which is really new, which wasn't so much about printing a structure, but they managed to 3D print or like bioprint they called it, because they're effectively mm. printing cells. So they're printing like microstructures with some like gels in it. And the idea is actually to support algae within those cells because coral cells are so good at focusing light, like so, so good to keep those algae alive. And they've managed to replicate that so well. And yes, so, so that one's less about necessarily rebuilding a big coral structure. But I, I, I can sort of see the connections where you think, oh, that you could, can you like 3D print those fake cells into the larger structures that people are making maybe i don't know yeah no exactly it's cool. that one's great for the biofuel industry potentially as well isn't it yes yeah yeah it's it's just this I whole idea science yeah it's this whole idea of using <laughs> <laughs> yeah science guys <laughs> it's uh but it's this whole idea for the listeners technology... that was tom's best finger guns Thank yeah you very much um <laughs> it's this whole idea that technology and science um can be applied in such a way using these novel technologies and new ideas and everything that can just bring this little sort of ray of hope to situations which are really pretty dire most of the time when you read about them. Especially coral, I think coral reefs are pretty much the prime example of um, when climate change information can really get you down because they are possibly the most obvious structure to see it's a beautiful change. structure to lose as well. Mm. Yeah, it's the canary in the coal mine, right? For the for yeah. the oceans. And to quote uh, one of my favourite films on, especially documentaries, is uh, Chasing Coral, which I'd recommend anyone watches. Um, but they basically said, I think it was the coral bleaching event in 2016 on the Great Barrier Reef, where they said it was something along the lines of you know losing. It's like half of the Amazon rainforest losing its leaves overnight. The world would not be quiet about that. The world would be shouting for people to do something because that's yeah. not normal. Yeah. But yeah, the you know, the those two things are ones that I've done videos about. But then I actually did write down a mini list, a quick fire list of other things that are super exciting. For the future. Okay, give us your headlines. Headlines. Modular devices. Alternative materials, including Milo, a leather alternative made out of fungi. Uh, this oh, one yeah. isn't to do with climate, but it still gets me super excited about the future. Amazing new rockets are like being developed the whole time. Uh, it's really cool. Having more access to space means that more climate satellites can be launched for cheaper and we can, you know, kind of, you can look at it from that angle. Uh, biohacking. Tenuous thing, nice. but biohacking is becoming a thing. CRISPR is solving the issues of illnesses that have plagued people for centuries or probably probably longer than centuries, actually. Um, the circular economy idea mm. is being white, like, spread. This I'm excited about, yeah. Which is amazing, yeah. I, I want to do so many videos about the circular economy. Uh, biomimicry is being taken seriously, which is amazing. It was such a friend's idea, like, a, a few years ago. 
But now biomimicry is like, how should we approach this problem, guys? I don't know. We have the know, tools. Jess, maybe uh, biomimicry? Yes, Dave, <laughs> we should do that. Uh, green hydrogen, rewilding. Uh, <laughs> grids increasingly being electrified and like infrastructure on electric grids being just brought into the modern era. All these things, man. I'm just... And RNA vaccines. Yeah, of course. Oh, how, could yeah, we yeah. Not, how could we not end on that being an exciting thing to look forward to? <laughs> That's true. That's it. There, the big message I want to spread is that there are a lot of things to get depressed about, for sure, about the future. But I genuinely believe there's so many more things to get excited about. And with a little bit of excitement and a little bit of elbow grease... <laughs> We can make good things happen, guys. That we is can. a beautiful, and that's precisely why message. we're super excited to have you on the podcast because we sh- we share your worldview. Yeah, Tom, thank you so 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 much for coming thank on you. the podcast and also bringing your own research and materials to educate us on our hey, own podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for indulging my uh, complete waffle. Anytime I answer a simple yes or no question, not at all. You can definitely come again. So for our listeners, where, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me, mainly find me on YouTube. If you just type in Tom Carroll, that's two R's and two L's, you'll find me. Probably find me on Instagram at the.tom.carroll. That's two R's and two L's. And TikTok, if you want to give it a go. Same as the Instagram, Tom. the.tom.carroll, two R's, two L's. You know you're a big deal when you put just... a V in front of your name, don't you? Or because my name is so common, there was no other variant available on these platforms. Yeah, don't 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 just Google Tom Carroll like I did because um, footballers and surfers. Yeah, not not that I necessarily needed to Google you because I I knew you personally anyway. But I I, I just thought I I I quickly nip onto your YouTube channel and I was just like, hang on a second, <laughs> has right he become person? a professional footballer in the last few years? This man has it all. <laughs> And for any of you that actually want to find out a little bit more about me and Lloyd and what we do, you can head over to our own Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for For What It's Earth podcast and we'll, we should pop up. But not TikTok. Yet. Not TikTok. We're not there. I like that ending there with the yet. I'll be getting them on TikTok, people. <laughs> Watch this space. And as ever, all the views and everything we say, all the waffle and the general chit chat that's all our own views and that comes from our own brains our own neurons firing not from any employers or anyone else uh, so it's our problem not theirs so apart from that i think that's everything from us this week tom thank you once again for joining us thanks so much for having uh, me. happy sciencing <laughs> keep you sciencing too. now there's a t-shirt <laughs> keep sciencing keep sciencing listeners we'll see you in a couple of weeks bye bye Long live Monsanto. (laughs) Cut. Absolutely cut. Get out. I'm funded. I'm funded by Big Pharma, um, Coca-Cola. Uh, I have an uncle who owns lots of stocks in Coca-Cola, and uh, Elon Musk is my baby child. <laughs> <laughs>